Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Will, the Shamrock Shake is back, and that could mean only one thing. It's March. St. Patrick's Day is around the corner. That's Are you true. excited? Uh, I don't know. I feel like um, knowing, or rather dating someone who is a redhead, she does not like St. Patrick's Day at all. And she's not even Irish. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's never held any particular any particular sway for me. And I'm not even a fan of the Shamrock Shake, so. I don't like St. Patrick's Day either. I hate to be a, a, a Grinch. Hate to yuck somebody's yum. Exactly, but I've uh, seen people getting into some nonsense all day long throughout the morning. I don't know. It kind of makes me feel yucky in my tummy. I go, mm, I don't know about this behavior. I don't want to be a party pooper or anything. Yeah. No, I don't need a I don't need a day or a reason to drink <laughs> to excess. I just need to do it and money, of course, to do so. Hey, that sounds like a wholesome way to start this episode about everybody's favorite aardvark, Arthur, because you're listening to Elwood City Limits. Welcome to the show. My name is Will Young with my uh, co-host, Lucas Mancini. Hello. Which Arthur character do you think parties the hardest in their older age? Maybe Mr. Reed himself, the father? Um, Buster? Probably gets into mushrooms later was, in college. I was, I was thinking maybe Francine. Oh, yeah. She joins, joins the team in maybe high school or university. You know, those... You know, those university rec teams can really party hardy. Really, that's that's a good point. <laughs> uh, hey, thanks a lot for joining us here today on Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Thanks a lot for finding us. A lot of people have been finding us recently. And, of course, before we get started today with our episodes, I put out the call on our Tumblr page, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com, just, uh, just, just on a whim. Uh, to if anybody had any questions for us here on the podcast uh, that, uh, yeah, just ask away, which you can always do. Just uh, send us a private message on Tumblr, and we would be happy to answer your questions here on the podcast. So i got a couple of interesting ones, if you're willing to uh, go with me on this one, Lucas. The first one is from Bradley Boy Rules, and he asks, If Arthur and friends were in the WWE, what brand would each of them be on, and would they be face or heel? So the brain would be a heel. You think brain would be a heel? Yeah, like, he totally would have like the uh, uh, Damien Sandow gimmick. <laughs> Full disclosure here, of course, if you haven't been able to tell by our uh, our cheeky references in previous episodes, we're both enormous fans of professional wrestling. So this uh, this question is an apt one. Uh, okay, so brains like the genius Lanny Poffo. Yeah. Uh, I think Mr. Rapper's like IRS, or I guess Arthur's mom would be IRS. Yeah. Uh, what about what about Binky? Uh, Binky is a hard one because he's like a, he's like the Big Show, where he's like he's like a good guy one minute and then he's crying and then he's a bad guy the next minute. And he's all mad. I was gonna say he's the heel the fans hate to love or something to that effect. 
and uh, Arthur's the white meat baby face, and Buster is his uh, is his cool friend. Buster's certainly Dean Ambrose. Buster's Dean Ambrose and Arthur's Roman Reigns. Oh my goodness! So can you imagine Arthur? They, uh, they almost kind of look like their counterparts. Now that I think Arthur's, about it, Arthur's like the the uh, the milkshakes are on ice. Let's go do it. Um, Would that make Francine Seth Rollins? Yeah, you know that works. This is a weird we fan just, fiction we've we just, come up with. Have we here. just booked the Shield and yeah. Arthur. I love it. I love the Shield. So Francine, Buster, and Arthur are the Hounds of Justice, or in this case, the uh, the orangutan, the bunny, and the aardvark of justice. We also got another one, which is a bit of a, a couple part question. We'll just go through this real quick. Uh, Leo Pluraldon asked, "We know your favorite characters, but who are your least favorite characters? Is it even possible to hate an Arthur character?" Well, I don't want to give away too much show too much of our hand about today's episode, but you'd better believe that I've got a least favorite character. Uh, Lucas, you haven't been too keen yet on Muffy or Prunella, or it's, Rubella for that matter. It's true, uh, and I I kind of give Muffy a pass because I feel like it's not her character's fault. It's like we haven't gotten really a good chance at seeing the depth beyond uh, Muffy's right. very one-dimensional exterior. Sure. Uh, Prunella and Rubella, not so much. I just don't like those guys. <laughs> uh, they get on my nerves. And... I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of this episode we're about to get into. That's a funny oh. question because oh boy, do you. I, I think I wrote down the exact phrase, new least favorite character. I wrote down something a little stronger. We'll get into it a little <laughs> bit. Uh, and then a quick one to tack on that one. Uh, this one I'd like to direct to you, Mr. MMA expert. Who would win in a fight, Mary Mukau or Crazy Bus? Uh, probably Crazy Bus because it's like a vehicle and it could like <laughs> hit Mary Mukau. It's also got a giant mouth that could eat Mary Mukau. I yeah. think this one's a no contest. I thought you were going to ask me who we're pairing up Sue Ellen against because we got a little bit more of Sue Ellen's martial arts expertise, expertise in these uh, episodes. And so I had that on the brain. That's funny though. Mary Mukau versus uh, the Crazy Bus. Yeah, Crazy Bus. For sure. All right. Crazy bus because it is indeed a vehicle and cows don't have a great track record against vehicles. All right. So thank you again for uh, the questions. And we're going to get into the episodes proper right now. The first one, DW Thinks Big. Now, last week I had no idea what this was about. Like I could not think at all what we could be talking about here. And then as soon as it started, I was like. It's this one. That's what it is. Because it starts off actually with Arthur, even though DW's name is on the marquee. Uh, it's it's uh, the wedding of his Aunt Lucy. So he is practicing being a ring bearer. He's got the pillow. He's got his nice little suit and carrying the ring. I was a ring bearer for my aunt's wedding. Oh, you were? Uh, it was way back in the day. I was super young, probably younger than Arthur was here. Uh, but that it's kind of uncanny because I went through the exact same process Arthur's going through in this episode. You look you look like you, <laughs> you would have been a little ring bearer as a child, if you don't mind me saying. You, I'm you, not sure what to think from that, I, but I, I, I'll I, take it as a compliment. It, it's it's kind of meant to be that. It's like I imagine I imagine you looked cute in a little suit when you were uh, how old were you? Six, seven, eight? I honestly have no idea. Probably around six ish. All right. You would, I, I imagine you would have cleaned up good as a, as a little kid. So everybody's preparing for Aunt Lucy's wedding. Now, uh, we are introduced to a few new family members here. Now, first off, Aunt Lucy, I want to say that everybody, all of the new family members are on mom's side of the family. 
That my guess is just because she seems a bit more invested in the way that things are going, and like you know, when uh, Aunt Jessica and Uncle Richard arrive, they're kind of talking in the kitchen. So I'm going to assume that Aunt Lucy is from Mom's side of the family, and that's probably Mom's sister. I don't know. It just seemed like Dad was a little bit uh, distant in all this. You'd think he would have been front and center if that was his sister getting married. Mm, he's so busy doing the catering for the wedding. Very true. Uh, so the person who's most excited about all this is, of course, D.W., who's got wedding mania. She married the toaster and the blender together while wearing a football helmet. <laughs> thought that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, like I said, we get introduced to new family members, Aunt Jessica and Uncle Richard, and their daughter, Cousin Cora, who does not have a great first impression on DW, nor the audience, because the first thing, they, like, they first off, they just kind of run into each other, cartoon style. It is a cartoon. And then she is busy taking out all of her preparations for the wedding the next day. Which is like really, now I think about it, that is really soon to arrive for a wedding when it's happening the next day. You usually leave yourself maybe another day to get acclimated. Uh, But yeah, Cora is kind of overtaking DW's room. You know, she kind of puts her stuff on the bed and says, where are you going to sleep? And DW's just like, ugh, with this. Well, I mean, it's so unreasonable. Imagine going to someone's home and putting all your stuff on their bed and just assuming like this is my bed now. I imagine I imagine that her mother probably said the same. DW's mother was just like, uh, Cora's probably going to have to sleep in your bed just as a guest, but all Maybe the same Maybe from this is what I what I gather from this was that Cora was taking the initiative and saying, "Where are you going to sleep cuz my room now. That them's the breaks." Yeah, no, I honestly would not be surprised. I liked this here because in this sequence where Cora and DW are in her room, DW's, you know, uh, asks if she wants to play dolls, and DW has a doll of Madame Curie. This is great. Th- which is, it, I thought, I thought it was really cool. But then, of course, Cora uh, has to bring it down a level by being like, you know, does she wet? Does she have a bikini? Does she tan? Just like, no, she's an inventor. <laughs> like that's baby stuff. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Your thing is the baby stuff. Hey, everything's relative. There's a time and place for a, a doll that can wet and 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 tan and all that stuff. I don't want to hate on that doll, but I do want to say that DW's doll is, in my opinion, a lot cooler. Absolutely. Uh, it's also very 2017. I feel like that's a very 2017 yeah. thing, a novelty doll of a historical figure. I feel like you could go to some like vintage shops right now and mm-hmm. get like a, a Harriet Tubman or a, a Truman action <laughs> the, figure. The University of King's College bookstore. Exactly. With, with all of the f- finger puppets of various figures. Uh, yeah, so Cora is busy taking out all of the stuff that she's going to wear for the wedding tomorrow, like pantyhose from the junior department. <laughs> Which is a funny line. Like, I like, uh, what I like about this sequence is Cora's trying to seem all grown up with all her grown up stuff, but us as the viewer know that it's still all pretty childish. Like, yeah. oh, she's like, oh, pantyhose. Half-inch heels deodorant. Uh, <laughs> That's right. There's which, a, la- there's a beat when she pulls out the deodorant. She's like, deodorant. And DW's like, deodorant. <laughs> uh, I will I will say, I thought this was really distracting. Cora uses uh, both D- stock gasps from DW and mom. So occasionally she'll like gasp and somebody else's voice will come out of her. I'm like, oh, that's weird. That shouldn't be that. Uh, and then Cora shows her a locket that Aunt Lucy gave her. DW wants to touch it, but she quickly pulls it away. Just like, you can't touch it. It's real gold. And then just like snaps the, the, bra- the, um, the, what do you call it? The lanyard part of it? 
Yeah, the little clamp in the back. The clamp, yeah. And then she's like, now look what you made me do. And then she literally goes downstairs crying like, look what you did, mommy. And this is where, uh, this is like what? Not even three minutes in the episode. And hey, kids, cover your ears for a second. Man, fuck Cora. Oh my goodness, wow. Cora sucks. Oh my jeez. Uh, Excuse my language, but I just had to get that out of there. I promise I'll keep it to a minimum, and of course we'll have bleeped it anyway. But Cora's so terrible. She's the worst, and her mom's an enabler. That's makes it. That's what makes it right. all the worst. Because, because, of, because of course, as we saw, nothing like DW literally did nothing. She is not in the wrong at all, and she's the one that we've spent twenty five plus episodes with it. With and here comes Cora out of nowhere, just like look what she did, mommy. And then her mom's like, DW, you should play rough with Cora's lock and just like you know she's I didn't do anything and then Cora's like yes you did you really did and it's like and also DW's sort of too young to defend herself properly at this point well and also I'd like to think that if DW was a little bit older she'd be like Where's the substantial evidence? Right. Like it's her word against mine. But because Objection. D- because DW is so young, uh, everybody kind of just goes with Cora's awful well, fake and, story. Well, and also because they're guests, so they can't like accuse their guests without it being super awkward. But ooh, ooh, that made me mad. Oh, that made me mad. I'm actually a little scared sharing this booth with you. <laughs> Because you're gonna come across the table, start shaking me like, no, Cora's the worst, Lucas. Trust me. No, it's I. I don't think you'd necessarily disagree. <laughs> That's true. Uh, if if you did, then we'd have a real problem. And then it, and then it and then it keeps going because it's like mom's just like, all right, time for bed. You guys are tired. And then you know it's just like, mommy, can I sleep with you? I hate this room. The awful colors hurt my eyes. I'm like, Oh my god, get her off the screen! I almost swore again, it's just like, hey, family podcast, at least we try to keep it that way. I'm trying, people, but oh my goodness. I know what you mean, though. It's one of those things where when you're trying to make a character that the audience is supposed to feel negative about, it's a fine line between making something so annoying that it's changed the channel annoying. You know what You know what she is? And this is a, hey, WWE reference for you. She's, I, I know what she, this is. She's heel commentator Michael Cole. Or X-Pac. She's got X-Pac. She does have X-Pac heat. Just, <laughs> just every time she's on screen. She, I, yeah, you're supposed to hate her. But you end up hating her so much that you just don't really want her around. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it takes away from the story. There's one good line, though, when they're going to bed. Uh, DW turns to her mom and she goes, Mom, can I have deodorant? Yeah, and her that. mom says, um, she says something like, maybe in the morning, honey, or something like yeah, that. It's yeah, a just, weird answer. But. Well, it's just like, ah, you don't know what deodorant is. It was, <laughs> it was cute. I wrote that down, too. So DW gets up the day of the wedding. She's super excited. And the main thing is that she's looking for something to do because everybody's got a role. Like you said, uh, dad is catering. Mom's kind of organizing everything. Uh, Arthur's the ring bearer. Cora is the flower girl, which DW is very jealous of. Uh, but she doesn't have a place in the wedding. She's just kind of a bit of a tag along. So we get Arthur practicing being a ring bearer with, again, like he did in the cold open. Uh, Mom is playing the piano doing the wedding march. So I find it interesting how p- the piano seems to be uh, in the Reed family and almost everybody. Arthur plays, obviously. DW had her little piece that she played for Grandma, and now Mom is playing the piano, too. So maybe it runs in the family. Yeah, that it was, like, an interesting detail. Also that uh, Arthur's dad doesn't seem to play the piano. Not that we know. Yeah. Yeah, Arthur holding up those traditional gender roles of... Yes, that's what he's he's a, 
you know, our DW wants to be the ring bearer. He says, you're too little, which is fine because you got to be a bit of a certain size to be able to carry the ring. Them and, rings are expensive. Yes. And he says, and besides, everybody knows the ring bearer is always a boy. And I'm like, you're just saying that because you have the power in this situation. Don't do that, it's man. The patriarchy at yeah, work. That's too, too right. DW can be the ring bearer at my wedding. And, oh, by the way, since DW is kind of all over the house trying to find a place where she fits into the wedding, get ready for DW humming the wedding march. She does that quite a few times. It's kind of creepy, especially when she's on her little tricycle. It's very Shining-esque. Like, <laughs> she's good- rolling around the house... And she's humming. Yeah, it's dum dum da dum 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 da dum. The wedding march is one of those songs where the melody changes so little that it gets annoying super fast. It reminds yeah. me of when I went to my little sister's piano recital, and it was like a Christmas themed one, so everybody had a Christmas song they played. Uh-huh. And one kid had the Twelve Days of Christmas, which, if you've ever heard a piano rendition of, is literally the same thing twelve times. You know what? As you know what? As a kid, it's very interesting. Like the twelve days of Christmas is something of just like oh, what's going to happen on day 11 what's going to happen on the 10th day and then when what, like once you do it let's say two or three times as a kid then any other time you hear it in your life it's unbearable but will imagine, it's like 99 bottles of beer on the wall but will imagine 12 days of Christmas without the lyrics so then it just becomes da da na na da da na na da da na na da na 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 Yeah, and so it gets progressively longer. That's that's even worse because then I'd be like, well, what happens on the 10th day? I don't remember. Oh, I can't (laughs) fill in the blanks. That's that sucks. That sucks. Uh, uh, Yeah, so DW going around humming the wedding march. He's trying to find people to help out. Uh, For example, her dad, who is busy catering. Uh, and in catering in his good clothes, too. Uh, DW tries to put the cake topper on top of the cake, but, you know, is t- is teetering just a little bit close to maybe falling into it. And so Dad rightly just takes the X factor out of the situation there. Uh, she tries to help her Aunt Jessica, accidentally, you know, powders part of her dress, uh, accidentally sprays shaving cream on her Uncle Richard, just... Not really finding her place. She says she has the same line every time, too. Uh, I forget what she says. It's like, I just want to help. Oh, I was just trying to help. I was just trying to help. And she kind of repeats it over and over. Yeah, it's funny because we we you know, we normally are quick to say, you know, DW kind of a bit of a sociopath, as most four-year-olds are. But this one, she really seems to just want to be of use. And she really wants to have a role like everybody in the family does. Uh, they get a delivery of flowers. This is where I notice. So... Uh, you can kind of tell right away, or at least if you're observant, and not to say that I am, I've just seen this episode 25 million times. Uh, you can tell certain episodes in the animation schedule. Like, this one seems another one, kind of like Arthur's Family Vacation, where it seemed a bit maybe earlier in the animation schedule, because it, it all the designs look a little rougher. And I noticed here, like, the house is not designed the way that... I'm used to the Reed family house looking. Like, the rooms are where they are, but kind of like the front door looks different. Some of the hallways are colored differently, and it just kind of was enough to make me go like, huh, this is not the way I, I'm used to it being. 
Interesting. I didn't notice that because I was too busy looking at the flower boxes. They're from Flowers Are Us, oh, I which I was it. like, did Arthur predict 1-800-Flowers.com? <laughs> I missed that totally. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they get a delivery of flowers, which, of course, you know, the boutonniere for Arthur and then Cora's flower crown. After that, you know, DW kind of upset that she doesn't get a flower either, which I get it. I mean, everybody. Which is also kind of bunk because the logic is like, Oh, you need to have a job in the wedding to have a flower. Yeah. But not really. You could have just tacked on an extra daffodil, some cheapo flower to that order. You were already ordering all these flowers. Just to make sure she doesn't feel too badly or anything. Uh, So they take the catering van over to uh, to the wedding, and Arthur's kind of going over his job. Uh, as anybody with anxiety does, to the minute detail and in excruciating uh, levels because he's just kind of saying to himself, just like, stand up straight, tuck in my shirt, fix my tie, just like obsessing over it. I'm like, I've definitely been there before, pal. It's Uh, another case of, I love it when Arthur is sort of in the background in these episodes and he's just kind of a one-note joke. mm -hmm. He fills that role really well. For instance, in last week's episode... Uh, all the jokes at his expense of eating cake, and We're now this really one really funny. This one of him being like kind of manic and like I'm obsessed with walking forward mm-hmm. and having, and it also comes into play later on in the episode as well. Yeah, in, in in cases where he's not the main character, a little Arthur goes a long way. So they get to the church. Grandpa Dave is there uh, for a little cameo. Always nice to see Grandpa Dave, and I believe this is the first time we've kind of seen him off his farm. Mm-hmm. And he and he cleaned up himself. He's got his tuxedo on, ready to go. And then, uh, you know, DW kind of comes in, gives him gives him a hug. And then, of course, Cora's right behind going, I'm here, everyone. I'm here. Cora goes to get her picture taken with the rest of the wedding party where we kind of get our first look at Aunt Lucy, who is, you know, in her wedding dress. Uh, she's kind of got the blonde hair going on a little bit. DW interrupts the wedding, uh, the wedding photos, you know, just kind of indignant that she can't. She's not allowed to be in the photos because, of course, she's not in the wedding party. And she says, Aunt Lucy, next time you get married, can I help? <laughs> it's, a really, it's a really cute line. And it, it sounds like something that like a little kid would actually probably and I say. I think they all laugh at it oh, in they, the episode as yeah, well. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, afterwards, doesn't she see something like, when I get married, anybody can do it whatever job yeah, they want? that's my next thing is that when they're kind of sitting in the pews for the uh, – for the ceremony in the church, uh, DW says, when I get married, I'll tell anyone who wants to help they can. And to which I was like, you know what? That would actually be super great. Having as many helping hands as possible can probably make a wedding go super easy. I'm just thinking of my own, which may or may not happen soon. Good thing my girlfriend doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so. Watch this be the one she listens to. That's funny. Well, of that's course, hilarious. Of course. And so as they begin as they begin their walk, it's, you know, of course, Arthur and Cora kind of next to each other as Flower Girl and Ring Bearer. Uh, now, I will give Cora points. This was, a, this was a funny line and, of course, led to more funny situations. She, she says to Arthur, remember, if you make a mistake, you'll ruin the whole wedding. So watch it. And then that is, is good. It's like the last thing that Arthur needs to hear because, of course, all he has to do is bring the ring down there. It's in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that important. And do you know what's even less important? Is Flower Girl. So I'll let you in behind the curtain. Ooh. Let me part the kimono a little bit here. <laughs> okay. uh, when I was a ring bearer, yes. 
I had uh, worked rings. They weren't the actual rings. They were purely ceremonial. Ah. So I walked over with the pillow. They already had the rings. I see. It's how we avoided the disaster that befalls the wedding in this episode. Yeah, this is a real worst case scenario thing happening because Arthur's kind of, you know, saying under his breath, you know, like, not too fast, not too slow, and then just totally freaks out when Cora tells him (laughs) to smile and he just throws the ring up and it goes all the way over to the pipe organ and then just gets now thankfully not lodged in the in the pipes but it uh, rolls all the way under and you know it's literally Arthur's worst case scenario coming to pass uh, so Grandpa Dave is the first one to kind of jump up and kind of be attending which is another kind of clue that maybe Aunt Lucy is part of mom's family because mm. mom's dad is Grandpa Dave so he's kind of the first one to be like alright I'm going to roll up my sleeves and get into this because this is my daughter's wedding or whatever. And we don't see the cousins from uh, the previous family reunion episode, so this leads me more and more to believe that I think you're right, this is Arthur's uh, mom's family. Uh, So he tries to, Grandpa Dave tries to reach down the pipe organ, and and he gets stuck. Uh, He he says at one point, anybody got a little bear grease? (laughs) To which I was like, Grandpa Dave, what's bear grease? Like, is this... I, I, I wish I would have looked it up because, like, is that a real thing? Here, I'm going to look that up right now I'm too, because I'm trying to think of even a joke of what Bear Grease because could conceivably I'm, I'm the be. Because the only thing I think was, like, yeah, haha, they're animals. But, like, why would you need to grease up a bear? Like, why why in any point do you need, like, a oh. greasy bear? Uh, if you're going to wrestle it, obviously. Okay, so. But, bear Grease. But are we talking, like, are, are we talking, like, bears like brain is a bear? Or uh, are we talking about, like, bear bears? Bear's grease was a popular treatment with for men with hair loss from at least as early as 1653 until about the First World War. I'm going to have to read this Wikipedia page later. <laughs> I'm seeing some images right now so, that are crazy. So check out the Wikipedia page for Bear's grease. So is it like so it's like the just for men of the 1600s? It's made from the fat of the brown bear mixed with beef marrow. I have to close this Wikipedia page or I'm going to be reading it this whole episode. Uh, but it's but it's like it's like um, what the heck is that called? Is it, is it it's like Rogaine. Rogaine? Rogaine? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Though I hate to tell you, Will, Why it I was mean- speculated that 99% of bear grease in the 1850s in England was actually pig fat. So false advertising, why even would, back then. Why would anybody have, like, Rogaine on them at a, at a wedding? Well, he doesn't ask for Rogaine, though. That's what makes it even crazier. He's not asking for Rogaine. But I'm just, but He's I'm, asking for bear grease by name. It's but, like if he was like, hey, anybody got any snake oil? <laughs> yeah. I guess it's just the joke is that he's old, but like honestly, who would have that on them? Like even if it was the modern equivalent, who would have that on them? At <laughs> also, any time? not the best thing for this situation. You'd be better off using olive oil, right? Um, so it's it's <laughs> stuck. Grease. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. So the ring is kind of stuck at the back of the organ. They need somebody smaller in order to go get it. Arthur tries to get it, but he's too big. Cora uh, can conceivably get it because she's small enough, but then just decides not to because it's dirty in there. Can't they just get another ring? <sighs> like, uh, th- that's all I have is that I don't know what else to say that's, like, funny because I, she just makes me so mad. All I, go, all I have is, like, a pained groan, and that's about it. And then, And then her mother is just like... 
She says, that's right, Cora. Don't you worry, sweetie. You don't have to go in that filthy old Oregon. I'm just like, well, there's the wedding. I was just going to, well, I was going to say, now we understand why Cora the way, is the way she is. Yeah. No boundaries. No, this is horrible parenting. And then Uncle Richard has nary two words to say, so he's a non-factor in her life. <laughs> I get a kick out of Uncle Richard. For, like he, he does what we see him shaving and taking a picture. That's about it. And getting mad at DW. So he doesn't exactly endear himself to me. So then finally, this is what we've been building up to. DW uh, is small enough to fit in and she's willing to do it. She's willing to get her hands dirty because this is what she was born to do. So she goes in and, of course, the organ is very dusty. There's quite a lot of coughing from DW, which kind of made me think of Zoolander a little bit. I think I got the black lung, Pa. I guess DW's coughs kind of, they're a tad unrealistic. Hmm. Uh, what I was reminded of is Die Hard. I got a real, like, now I know what a TV dinner feels like vibe from DW. We'll go to the wedding. Yeah, have come a few to, laughs. Come to the coast. Have a couple minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Good one. I like yours. Uh, so DW, after a little bit of fiddling around, does come back with the ring and, uh, she and at the very end there, she kind of gives the ring back, and Aunt Lucy decides to give her Cora's flower crown. And again, hey kids, cover your ears. F- you, Cora. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> scares me every time. That was that was awesome. Sorry, I don't mean to be I don't mean to be intimidating, but just like it felt so good of just like yeah, you get yours now. Get out of my house, kind of thing. Uh, by the way. Uh, DW's wedding attire when she has the flower crown, the pink dress with the dirt splotches on it. Great Halloween costume in the making. Oh. In case anybody wants to use that this year, uh, DW at the wedding, like feel free. We'd Maybe that'll to- catch on and it'll be this year's 11. Oh, yeah. I like well, to. I no, like- 11's going to be this year's 11 because it's coming out on Halloween. Oh, it'll come back? I feel like that's kind of played out, though. I like that you think about Halloween costumes as far in advance as I do, though. I got one I got one at the ready. Um, I'm thinking this year I'm going to be Parappa the Rappa. Oh, that's a good one! Because all you need is the and orange. that's so easy! All you need is the orange hat, and then you put a little bit of makeup on your nose to give it a little doggy yeah. nose. Ba- and then you kind of cut out leather flaps to mm-hmm. tape to the inside of the hat. Baggy pants. Baggy blue t-shirt. Yeah, right? And right? You're, and you're skinny enough, too, that it'll just look yeah. like, it'll, it'll look like, it'll look like you're, you're too You're picking deep. up what I'm putting down. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's Punch, kick, it's all in the mind. You could, um... Uh, if you could, you could harangue your girlfriend into being um jammer lammy. Oh, I don't think I'd be able to pull that off. One one year, I almost, almost got her to be Brie Bella, and I was going to be Daniel Bryan. But, oh man, uh, that our plans been... our plans fell apart that at the last awesome. minute. But she was she was down. I had an idea at one point that uh, I was willing to be uh, handsome Rusev for Halloween because my <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> My girl, my girlfriend had like a white suit that looked like one that Lana wore for a while, and I was just like, you know what? I'd be willing to go shirtless if you and I were Rusev and Lana, but it didn't come to pass. Oh, well, you'd make a great handsome Rusev. Thank you. That's hilarious. We share a similar ancestry, <laughs> and then finally, DW with her flower crown, and the wedding goes off without a hitch. She gets a big thank you, and then they drive away, and that's pretty much the end of the episode. DW says, "If you lose anything, just call me." And now a word from us kids. This reiterates in my mind that they must show the kids the episodes before Mm -hmm. they film this because this one opens with the kids talking about the specifics of the plot we just saw. Yeah, and kind of uh, 
making kind of making their own conclusions about the uh, the point of the episode. So this one is all about you know how every, people come in different sizes, and it's actually kind of a cool exercise. I liked it. Um, you know, they'll go, "I'm small enough to do this, but I'm big enough to do this." Uh, Lucas, what are you small enough and big enough to be able to do? Jeez, I don't know. I'm like five six, so I'm a little bit of a manlet. Uh, <laughs> manlet. What am I small enough to do and big enough to do? I'm small enough to be comfortable in a Volkswagen Beetle, and I'm big enough to be able to drive it. I guess. All right, that's that's not bad for me. It's for me. It's difficult because I'm like six feet one and a half. So. Uh, I I don't know what I'm small enough to be able to do. Uh, I'm small enough to be tinier than the Big Show. There you go. I think we're all small enough to be tinier than the Big Show. And I'm big enough to eat basically whatever I want. And boy, can you ever tell? Anyway, I kind of like that that exercise. That was a neat little way of thinking about the point of this episode. Main thing I got from this word from us kids is one of these kids has a dope Celtics windbreaker. Oh, was it from the Celtics? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could tell they they try to hide it with the angle they shoot the kid at because mm-hmm. I think they want to avoid having a bunch of Labels. logos. Yeah. Uh, but I could, I, I could see a little Celtics logo poking out. I was like, that's a real cool retro NBA windbreaker. Boston, so. Boston area. There you there go. There you go. And more proof. So we begin the second episode. It is Arthur Cleans Up, and I remembered exactly what this one was uh, last week, and I was very interested uh, to kind of get into it. So this one, the cold open from Arthur is that it's his dad he's talking about. You almost think it's going to be an Arthur and his dad episode, even though it kind of isn't. He said his dad kind of gets excited about weird stuff. You're right. Now that I think about it, this cold open's a little bit misleading. Yeah. So he's just talking about stuff that his dad has harangued him into just in the in the interest of just getting him out and getting him interested in new things, which I think right away is something that at least I related to because I was kind of a bit of an insular kid. I always wanted to, you know, I, I like to read. I like to be outside by myself. Uh, I like to, you know, play video games, that kind of thing. But my parents... And, you know, not always my dad, but let's just say my parents were always trying to get me out into, like, different kind of clubs and camps and, you know, activities, which I understand, but was also a bit of a drag. And I totally get Arthur's uh, Arthur's stress about this. I related to it in a different way in which my dad's always been a big civil servant type. So he's always trying to get me to volunteer when we shoveled our driveway, we'd have to shovel the driveway on everybody on the streets for free. Ouch! And uh, that's a lot of work for a kid. He's a uh, you know he's a real good Samaritan type, and I might <laughs> my heart might just not be as big. I might be more of a a, a, a mean spirited soul, but I'm not as big into the all the goodwill that he was. So as a kid, I always thought it was a drag. Oh, we're gonna go do this. We're gonna. I I did. The exact thing that they do in this episode. I was part of, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I was part of a cleanup crew for my community. We had the grabby arms and everything. Not bad. So the couple things that Arthur names off here is the father-son fisherman sunrise breakfast. You can tell the writers had a ton of fun with these examples because they're all really out of left field. Yeah, they're really really specific, but they have a little bit of grain of truth in them. But both of them that he brings up raised... Like, important questions to me. <laughs> so, the Father Son Fisherman Sunrise Breakfast is that they're like eating at a pier with their fishing gear on. 
uh, of course, at sunrise. And, you know, D- Dad's like, remember, Arthur, it's all you can eat, so don't stop till you're full. Somebody gives him a plate, and it's all just live sea creatures. Like, none of it's cooked. And it's just like, dude, I love eating seafood, but this is this is too far. This is like some Japanese yeah, restaurant-type yeah. stuff where you're just, like, <laughs> cutting the arms off an octopus and eating it live and yeah, wriggling. Yeah. I was going to say, what did his dad take him to the restaurant from Old Boy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, this is, okay, this is a little out there. And like, Granted, yes, cartoon. The second thing is that his dad enrolled him in the dental hygiene choir. Oh, and the punchline did this is so choice. You think so? This is hilarious. So it's Arthur and all of his friends, I might add, like singing uh, singing this like uh, this weird tune of just... It's like a barbershop quartet. Yeah, a little but bit. But about dentistry. And they just have a little tune about like dental hygiene. And the thing is, is that they're performing it in front of people and it's just like Arthur's mom and dad are there and right next to them is Dr. Sozio, the dentist from the previous episode. Of course he'd be into this. Yeah, and he he was really into it. But the other but the other thing is that everybody else in the audience is laughing their nuts off. I mean, and, I would be if I saw this happening. But I, it's, but it's like the thing from the Simps- like the thing from the Simpsons when in like Lisa's dream, like people people are just booing her, just like why would they show up to laugh? Point. It's just like why are you even there? You knew what this was. Like I I I need so much more context for the situation because everybody is just laughing to kill themselves. And Arthur gets a little he gets solo. a starring role. His solo is amazing. I don't remember the setup for it. They're sort of singing about. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to place down the tune. Like I, I remember what it sounds like, but when it comes to like, oh, this is they just reinterpolated this song and changed the lyrics. I don't know what that song is, but it's you know <laughs> essentially floss, floss. Floss your teeth, make your mouth feel clean. Gargle, oh, it's like gargle and spit, gargle and spit. Oh, it's Marilyn, row, row, row your boat. Yeah, it's row, row, row your boat. Thank you. But then it's uh, Arthur and the, and finishes the, it off with to prevent gingivitis and other forms of periodontal disease. It's, it, it, they really had to work that in. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. It's not. Uh, it's not Elton John and Tim Rice levels of lyricism. I'll tell you that much. Though it is the second week in a row, Arthur has made me thought of. Muhammad Ali whoops tooth decay. So. I tried to find that. Uh, I, I tried to find it too. It's like nowhere on the internet, just music from it. We'd have to like order the VHS or something and then get a VHS player. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So then, and then finally, Arthur says that was nothing like the time he signed me up for the cleanup brigade, which is what this episode's all about. So it starts off with Arthur and Buster playing with Pal in the park. And there are a couple of people, there are a couple of groups of people there. It actually starts off with the tough customers in the park having. Uh, a debate for the ages. Frost Nixon move over uh, as Molly is saying, I'm not the wuss, you're the wuss. And Rattle says, nah, you are. And then so. It's a Shakespearean war of words. That's right. Uh, Arthur and Buster are playing Frisbee past them. They actually pass by Francine and Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen is teaching Francine how to do Tai Chi. Is it Tai Chi or is it yoga? I think it's Tai Chi because she's talking about feel the energy of the chi and they're kind of doing poses. There is some yoga teachers who uh, there's spectrums of like how spiritual your yoga instructor will get. I'm sure your typical hot yoga off the street, it's just, okay, do this pose, do warrior one, do warrior two. But But sometimes they get way into like, now you can feel your chakra. But I think at the time, at least in the mid 90s, yoga wasn't really known as well. So I would Mm. say this is probably more Tai Chi and since... Sue Ellen has kind of lived in Asian places in the past. Makes sense. Uh, places of Asian origin. Then I think Tai Chi would be something she knew. I always wanted to 
learn Tai Chi, maybe when I'm older. Uh, and so Arthur and Buster, like I say, playing Frisbee, and then they throw the Frisbee so hard that it goes into basically what is this, like, cesspool in the middle of the park, and it gets swallowed up by, like, basically, sl- like, green sludge. It looks like the stuff from the end of RoboCop. Yeah. The guy gets mutated. And then we realize, if you kind of, during all these vignettes of all these kids playing in the park, I'm thinking, where is this park? Chernobyl? <laughs> this park, I get that they need to set up that it's a little dirty, it's a little unkempt, but this park seems like a health hazard. It's disgusting. I will say, whatever this this cesspool, this toxic Avenger origin story stuff yeah. is, this can't be safe. No, certainly not. Arthur and Buster just kind of walk away dejected because they lost their frisbee. And, and, like and this, they're not willing to put their hands in that. It's bubbling. Yeah. Why is it bubbling? It's still water. It's bubbling and green. It's like real 90s toxic waste stuff going on there. Captain uh, Planet, where are you when we need you? For real. Uh, on their way home, Arthur has almost a mini monologue of just like, the world is getting disgusting. <laughs> and he brings up uh, that the oceans are full of oil. And I was just thinking, this probably wasn't too far after Exxon Valdez. I'm not familiar. I'm, it's before my time. I'm, the, a, I'm a BP oil spill right. kid is Exxon, what I remember. Exxon Valdez was something now, of course, uh, this is well known if you have Google. Uh, I'm just saying that because obviously I'm going to get some facts wrong here, and I apologize in advance. I should have looked this up. Yeah, after you look up bear grease, check <laughs> check the Exxon, Exxon Valdez, Valdez. But it was incident. But it was an oil spill from a tanker that spilled, you know, hundreds of gallons of oil into the ocean and just like was a huge problem for a long time. In fact, I think it was only a few years ago, like less than 10 that, you know, the news thing came out of just like we finally got all the oil from Exxon Valdez out of the ocean. And it it took a long time because I'm talking like late 80s, early 90s was when that spill happened. See, I only know about oil spills where they make a Mark Wahlberg movie about them. So <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one. I can't believe there hasn't been an Exxon Valdez movie now that you mention it. Uh, anyway, it's just Arthur just saying it makes me want to do something. And <laughs> I really felt this because it's just like event, every once in a while you do get that feeling just yourself just like, man, I want to change something. And then Buster's just kind of like, you mean us? And then Arthur's like, well, maybe not us exactly (laughs) just kind of like dialing back of like oh I don't actually want to do stuff (laughs) I don't want to do the hard work but then dad accidentally hears Arthur saying that and he says that is a fantastic idea Uh, with some Lucas Mancini level enthusiasm (laughs) dad's kind of taking this idea and running with it Uh, in fact he kind of picks up something Arthur says Arthur says like it would take an army of kids to clean that up and he says an army Good idea. You could call it the Kids Cleanup Brigade. And and I'm just like, okay, so how long have you been sitting on this idea, Dad? Like, you've obviously been just waiting for somebody to overhear somebody being like, wish we had an army of kids to clean up and just like, aha, well, I've got the idea for you. And then the, and then the worst thing is, it's not that he's excited about it, but then uh, Dad says, I'm going to call all the, all the other parents and tell them about your idea. And I'm like, Come on, dude. Like, own up to the fact that this is you. Like, you gotta, you gotta be self-aware enough to be like, no, this is, this is my idea. I'm just enlisting my son. I could totally see my parents doing this, though. Like, it, that was all the rage back then. I always thought about that about kids who, instead of getting birthday presents, and maybe this is more about me than it does about them, but I always thought about kids who were getting birthday presents. Uh, instead of getting birthday presents, 
Uh, they would get donations for a charity uh, during their birthday. Uh, it's so heartless, but I was always like, I wonder if their parents put them up to that. Yeah, because you won't see. It me- doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like a genuine kid move. Like I, I might do that now, and I'm in my mid twenties, just because you know birthdays mean a little something different. But when you're a kid, it's just like no, it's all about you. Just toys, toys. Come on, <laughs> don't be, don't be crazy. This is your one chance. This is your kick at the can. This is your boon from your parents. Even though Buster was there with him, like the next day, he's like, "My mom's trying to get me to sign up this cleanup brigade. Why'd you think of it anyway?" And he's like, "It was, it was my dad, Buster. You were there." And just like, but how quickly the story twists. And of course, as Dad Reed called all the parents, there's a couple who are very adamant that they will not be cleaning up trash. Like Sue Ellen, who doesn't want to give up Wednesday karate lessons. Speaking of which, so uh, uh, she kind of approaches Arthur outside of her karate class. She's still wearing her gi. While it's ongoing. Apparently, Sue Ellen's a black belt. Which is kind of crazy for her age. Yeah. I'm not even sure if that's possible because karate, I know, it takes many years. Uh, I thought that's fun, though. That's a fun little detail. No wonder uh, she was so capable <laughs> and willing to fight Binky if she is a, a black belt. She was so confident. Of course, And, of course, as to be expected, Muffy drives up and just like, no, I'm not picking up trash. I'm in a limo. Have you seen me? Muffy. Is- is Good. Muffy the one that goes vomitrocious? Is that her? Yes. yes. Oh, is that the first time we get vomitrocious? I believe that's the first time we get Muffy's catchphrase. Mm. Uh, she, she sort of swings her head backwards and yells just, to the skies. Just the thought is vomitrocious. <laughs> uh, and then they are happened upon by the tough customers who are in their uh, awesome hockey gear. Rattle says something that really confused me. And I <laughs> I think I think I wrote down the same thing. Okay, it's like because Molly says, "Hey, look, it's Cleanup Boy," and then Rattles has a whole follow where he's like, "Well, if it isn't Captain Cleanup, son of the Blue Flush," and I'm like, "What are we? What? This whole line son of, son of, of like what? all of these insults kind of make no sense." Like, if Captain Cleanup is the best they can do, oh, look at him. He's helping the environment. Like, I don't even know what their MO is here. But it's back when that wasn't cool. When I, it, What? Like, I don't I've never heard this before. It's news to me that cleaning up isn't cool. No, it's when when you were a kid, cleaning up wasn't cool. And I, Was it not? I don't remember kids being like, oh, man, do you know what's dope? Littering. But, it, but you know, it's just like if they're supposed to be the rebels, like the, like the constant thing back then, especially in the 90s after, you know, post-Captain Planet and all that sort of thing, was that like, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. We got to save the planet. And if you want to rebel against something, you rebel against that because you heard it everywhere as a kid. So, of course, they're going to be like, cleaning up is stupid. When I was in elementary school, uh, during recess, you could sign up to be on the cleanup team and you would like everybody would have shifts where you'd have one day where you just kind of clean up the recess area. Yeah. Uh, and you'd get like a cookie or something for doing that. Nice. So, That's uh, a- cleaning up back then was a very cool. We, we did not have that in my school. Uh, yeah, so the son of the blue flush thing really confused me. <laughs> yeah, no is that idea. like a urinal joke? What is that? I'm, re- I'm really not sure. Like, and why is he the son of the blue flush? Does well, it- it's like a gold, like the way he words it, it's like golden age comics, right? Like son of the, the I think that's what it's getting at is Captain Cleanup's like a superhero. Oh. Son of the blue flush. It's very golden age comics-y, but it isn't really, it just doesn't really make any no. sense. No, it's but a real But you know what? It's a real deep A cut. lot of what Rattle says 
doesn't really hold up to scrutiny. Yeah, I mean, maybe we really shouldn't uh, pull a fizzer over this one because <laughs> I really don't know what he's saying. And Buster, I agree with him because after they're done insulting uh, and, they, Arthur, and, they, and they do it, they do a little. It's like, hey, you got to stay on your shirt and do the little, oh, gotcha, little finger thing up to his chin. Uh, but after all those insults, Buster goes, well, that wasn't so bad. Which, yeah, Buster, I agree. Like, getting called Captain Cleanup, it's really do your worst territory yeah, there. Like, you know, like, she could have really humiliated you. And I'm like, yeah, I guess they really didn't do very much. Uh, the next day, Arthur gets happened upon by Francine, who he's expecting is just going to be like, no, I don't want to do it. And she's like, no, I, I don't. But I also wanted to warn you about my dad. And this is where we get uh, the confirmation that Oliver Frensky is a sanitation worker. He is a garbage man. But there is great, great effort in this episode to avoid using the term garbage man at any point. I don't yes. think I heard it once. Yeah, sanit- this is probably as a kid where I learned what sanitation means or that it's even a word. Uh, Mr. Frensky also way, way enthusiastic, but at least with him it makes a bit more sense because he's kind of paid to be. But it also <laughs> seems like he's genuinely interested in sanitation as we happen upon. So he kind of takes Arthur on as his ward after he's done with school. He's quite the brand ambassador for uh, waste disposal. Yeah, really. Takes him over to sanitation headquarters. There's which- a great... Um- there's a great transition here where as Arthur is getting into the uh, the dump truck, uh, um, Francine's dad is all excited. He's like, you ready, Arthur? You ready to see Sanitation HQ? And Arthur's like, I guess. And then the camera zooms in on Arthur as the truck pulls forward and it sort of fades out on him to the you, facility. You can really tell the dread that he's like not looking forward to this. So Mr. Oliver Frensky takes him to sanitation headquarters, which is super high tech. Yeah, apparently they filmed the end of War Games <laughs> at a sanitation uh, facility because that's what this looked like. The only way to win the sanitation game is not to play. But uh, yeah, they are in this super state of the art, like computer high tech for the 90s. Like I bet they all got Windows 95 on CD-ROM over there. Uh, to which I was like, this is where I finally felt I asked the question. So it's like they have all of this, you know, Mr. Frensky's talking to someone where it's just like, you know, paper recycling is up 75%. And it's like we've like 5 million uh, tons of whatever sewage. And it's like we're tracking this person who has this compost in her backyard. And I'm just like <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize I didn't hear that. That's like some well, crazy NSA business. Well, remember she says a lady on Elm Street has a bunch of stinky fish bones in her backyard. She says it's fertilizer. Oh my goodness, that's some so, Patriot Act nonsense but, right there. But, but like I say, it's just like they're tracking people down to the very minute details. So I'm just like, aren't you people paid to clean the park? Like, <laughs> why why don't why don't you do it? What do we pay you for? I guess that is public like, don't land. They, like, don't they realize how awful it is? Like, if they're keeping, if they got fingers in every pie over here, like, come on, let's get with the program here. Well, I think this is a case of, like, you do have to set, suspend your disbelief at some point. Because in reality, um, I don't think, like, the people responsible for garbage disposable in a municipal area we're just are supposed to just pick up litter. They're supposed sure. to pick up trashes from the trash. No, cans, that's no, right? that, that's very true. So, but it, but they kind of make themselves out to be this like all-seeing entity. Yeah, like, in this, the lo- like, this, like the cerebro of trash. Uh, in the logic of the show, you're a hundred percent correct. Like <laughs> if they're if they have this eagle eye technology, isn't that a poll? The yeah. Shia LaBeouf movie. Uh, they should be able to see all of this 
was going on, especially the toxic waste that Buster and Arthur yeah, almost some, stuck their hands in. Yeah, there's some, there's some real hazards in there. A lady on Elm Street has a big pile of stinky fish bones in her backyard. She says it's fertilizer. Patriot Act. I love it, I love it, I love it. He takes him to Matt, who has a computer simulation he wants to show Arthur. And Which I gotta poo-poo this computer simulation. I, I, was, I was about to do the same thing. It just Basically what it is is that he's you know showing that kind of the outcomes for what for Arthur's project. like, And essentially it's like if... Nobody joins the cleanup brigade, then eventually the park will just get dirtier and dirtier. My favorite thing is that there's just an open flame in the little lake there. But if he gets more people to join him, then the lake will become the park will become really nice. To which I was like, again, this is another kind of common sense thing of like, you needed a computer simulation to tell you that more kids cleaning up will yield better results. Maybe Matt was I, my. Here's my little fan theory because sure. there's no way this technology exists, especially in the '90s. So I think Matt just had a copy of Populous installed on his <laughs> desktop at work. SimCity. Yeah, and he just had that running. And he, yeah, exactly. SimCity, Populous, any of those God games. And he's like, Arthur, see, this is what's gonna happen. See, it's like I, ma- I made, I made this cleanup brigade in SimCity 3000, and I put like one kid in it, and it didn't get cleaned up the park. And then we put like 20, and it got cleaned up in like a day so like what are you waiting for Arthur I'm going to show you a simulation of what would happen if you built a house with no doors and windows (laughs) everybody would just start using the bathroom on the floor and then die (laughs) Arthur's like wow great simulation Uh, (laughs) sure needed that to tell me what would happen Uh, yeah, no, that I thought that was kind of silly, and just like <laughs> it's geez. funny though, it's a funny gag, especially sure. the open flame. And it's just like you, re- it's like you really got to justify your paycheck, eh, Matt? <laughs> uh, so I want to know more about this Matt guy, <laughs> this Matt character. Yeah. Uh, so finally, Mr. Frensky's last thing that he leaves him with is this: like he takes him out to like the garage, like the like the sanitation garage, and there's this mural. That somebody's painted of like these astronauts in space throwing garbage onto like an asteroid or a planet or something. And just like and it's it's like some real philosophical stuff. He's just like, ever since the beginning of time, man has asked a question, who will take out the garbage? And this was the first time I've ever noticed them referring to themselves as humans. Uh, I know we've gotten emails about this before, I t- but I've, I totally, I totally missed this. I've always heard them like never refer to themselves as humans. I was like, what is this guy talking about? But Mr. Fredsky says, and I quote: "Ever since human civilization began, ah. people have pondered the question: Who will take out the garbage?" And uh, I know we talk a lot about this animal hierarchy stuff, and it reminded me there's an indie game that just came out called Night in the Woods, which is about anthropomorphic animals, but it also plays with the same concepts of they always refer to themselves as humans, even though they're Mm. cats, dogs, foxes, and alligators, and they themselves have animals that aren't anthropomorphic. So it operates under the same logic uh, as the Arthur universe. Hmm. That's very interesting. I that totally totally went over my head. Anyway, uh, Mr. Frensky kind of has this whole like philosophical speech. It's actually kind of inspiring. Like on like obviously, you know, the cheap way out would just be like, oh, Mr. Frensky, he's a garbage man. So just like ah, he's like ah, dirty. He's like Duke the dumpster drozy. Like ah, he lives in trash. But like no, it's like he's a sanitation worker. Like it's a like it's a but it's a genuine part of society. Like it's very important. And I thought it was actually a really great way of communicating how important uh, sanitation is to a society for kids. And I thought that was a really uh, uh, admirable goal. 
It reminded me of a story my mom once told me about. Uh, I never met uh, my grandfather on her side of the family. Uh, he died at a young age, but uh, he was like a big socialist. This is kind of a weird aside, but uh, say what you want about socialism. I, I, I'm not necessarily commenting on the least, ideology as least, a whole. At least it's an ethos. Uh, but what he always told to my mom and her sisters when they were really little kids is he made a point to show them the garbage man when the garbage man came to pick up their trash. And he said, that man right there never, ever Look down upon people like that. He's just as important as your doctor. He's just as important as your teacher. They're all uh, filling a role in society. So not to comment on his ideology as a whole, but I always thought that was a really interesting lesson for someone to teach a kid at a young age. That's really admirable. And so uh, that's what Mr. Fransky's speech right here reminded me of. That's really admirable because I, I agree. I think it's absolutely true. And it's just like... You know, it's the, it's the point that some people make of just like, you know, if nobody worked at McDonald's, then you wouldn't be able to have McDonald's. Well, kind of but, but, but uh, uh, those those new self-serve tablets are pretty cool. You, Pushing the button, get a Big Mac. Somebody still has to make it for you. You know, the, the point the point is until look, the automata move in. Hello. I've purchased these automata from my McDonald's establishment. I no longer have to pay anybody minimum wage. What I'm saying is, is that in a society like this, everybody has a role, and it's not yes. it's not right. Like your grandfather said, to look down on somebody who we really do rely on for a very important uh, part of that uh, society. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to be said, especially in a kid's cartoon. And the sad basic economics of what you said is this sad truth is it's cheaper to have people work for minimum wage than to have the robots installed and kept up with like repairmen uh, the economics of that it's still cheaper to hire minimum wage workers and so that's why we haven't all been replaced with T-1000s and the like yet <laughs> uh, so Arthur is kind of outfitted with uh, some state of the art trash collecting tools such as the flip-top garbage can, the C1, and a pointy stick. Uh, and, of course, he even has his own cleanup brigade uniform with, like, the the onesie and the – not a onesie, but, you know, like – Yeah, no, it's a onesie. Onesie and, like, the hat, and it even has its own little badge on it and stuff. So Arthur gets ready the next day to go out to collect trash, and he tries to enlist people – his friends to help him, but they're conveniently just not around or busy. There's sort of a commando montage of him putting on all this gear. There's this it's awesome... A, it's, it's a suit-up montage. Yeah, suit-up montage. Uh, and there's this awesome kazoo like playing. I don't think I've heard this song before be used. And Arthur recycles its music a lot, but this little like... Uh, this little kazoo tune I really got a kick out of. <laughs> Here goes nothing. Uh, so Arthur goes to the park and, you know, tries to do his due diligence. But uh, as we see, it, it really is just it's basically impossible for him to do it on his own because the park is so dirty. And like while they're there, like people are just littering as you like just as they're there. And it's just like like the more I do, it's like I take out one and then two follow. It's like trying to take care of Hydra. And then so Arthur just kind of gives up. He runs into the tough customers who kind of give him a hard time. And I thought this was actually really effective bullying on their part. Because, I mean, not only are they wearing him down with verbal abuse, but also, like, Rattles is just, like, taking wrappers out of his jacket and just, like, throwing it on the ground. Just, like, it's like, what are you going to do, clean up boy? You going to clean that up, huh? And I'm like, oh, man, this is this is really effective bullying. I guess, but this whole time I was, thinking, I was thinking – 
To what end are they doing this? They're just being bullies. They're just being mean. I guess, but it's not even that entertaining. Like, when I think of a bully, it's like, give me your lunch money. At least you walk away with the lunch money at the end. They're doing it to feel big. They're doing I, it they're doing they're doing it to just feel good about themselves. It's rough. That's 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 the logic of a bully. Binky does kind of uh, stand up for him a little bit. He's just like, come on, guys, leave him alone, but you know, a little bit half-heartedly. There's a great one here of there's an old man playing chess nearby, or I forget, I think it might be checkers, actually, with the kid in the red hat that we've seen a couple times. And he's just like, what's going on over there? And the kid in the red hat's just like, don't get involved. <laughs> I've so seen like, what, is this like one of those uh, NPCs from a video game of just like, you know, they see something crazy go down, like a big-time abuse of power, and just is just like, no, 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 don't get involved. They'll get you, too. Old man playing chess against a little kid in a park is kind of a trope. You see it all the time. Totally. Uh, but I've seen that happen in real life. When I was in New York, there was totally an old man playing chess against a little kid in the park. That's awesome. So it's got to come from somewhere. Uh, so Arthur's just, you know, he's fed up with it at this point. He's just like, you clean it up. I'm going home. He brought Pal with him. And this is where we get a little bit of a scare because Pal's like kind of messing around with one of the rappers. He accidentally swallows it and he starts to choke and Arthur's like freaking out because, you know, Pal's making like, these awful choking noises. And then the old man kind of comes over, gives him, gives him, gives Pal the Heimlich maneuver, which thankfully works for dogs. I've, I'm not really sure if that's true or not, but thankfully this time it did. And to which the old man's just like, I knew there was some reason I went to medical school. What a good line. Yeah, yeah there's got to be some reason. And then, you know, the tough customers as Pal's choking are kind of like, uh, you know, feeling a little bit like, oh, maybe we went a bit too far. And then they try to slink away. And Molly's just like, guess we'll get going now. And then Arthur steps up. I loved this. This was one of my favorite moments from the Arthur character yet. This was, I don't know if we have ever had anything like this. This was like one of the show's defining badass moments. Do you know what this reminded me of? What was that? Uh, it reminds me of Naruto. Okay. When like Naruto, he's always got these moments where he's like... I like how you call it Naruto and Naruto. <laughs> Either way, Mr. Uzumaki himself always has these moments where he's like, you got me down, but you know what? This is what I think. I believe in myself and this is like... Arthur's thank, you, thank you for making him as whiny as possible. Uh, Arthur's posturing here though in in the best way possible, as whiny as it is, reminded me of that sort of like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to take this anymore. This is how it's going to be. And I'm so not used to seeing this from the Arthur character. I wanted to get out of my chair and be like, yeah, you are Arthur. You tell him. It wasn't even like I, I, I imagine you were just saying Naruto was whiny, not Arthur, because this didn't come across from him as whiny. No, no, no. What, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Naruto's usually uh, – Naruto's kind of whiny in his, like, speeches. He's yeah. always talking like that. But I think it's kind of inspiring in a way. And that's what I got from this is, like, Arthur finally standing up for himself we're so, uh, was so cool. We're so used to Arthur being such an, a more anxious person that he really steps up and it's, like, it's the most confident we've ever seen him because he's just, like, you're – it's, like, you guys almost killed my dog with your trash and Enough's enough, and then he's just like, and then he, he dons then, his own heart T-shirt. Yeah, and he, he enough's enough, and it's time for a change. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, Arthur. Then is just like, it's like now who's gonna help me clean this up? And he's like, he's not taking no for an answer. They're just like, obviously, they're just like kind of. 
Like they're kind of feeling, you know, low about what they did, and then they're just kind of twiddling their thumbs, looking at the ground. He's just like, "No hands? Well, then I'll give you your assignments." Like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, Arthur's taking names!" Like he's this is this is so so awesome. And then he's just like, "Molly, you start over there." And then it's this like pal kind of growls at her, and she's like, "All right, all right." And like as soon as Arthur asserts confidence over them, it's like that's it. Like it's. It's a total bully move. As much as they were, uh, you know, styling on him earlier, it's total bully move to back down as soon as Arthur grows a spine, and it's really cool. I also like that this was the moment they chose to do this with Arthur's character because it wasn't unearned. Like they did almost kill his dog. Yeah, that would get any even the most meek people uh, yelling up a storm. When, so yeah, no, when somebody gets in between him and Pal, that's when Arthur throws down, which t- makes total sense. So he enlists them to help out. Uh, and Mr. Frensky comes by with more uniforms and garbage cans and pointy sticks right in, right in the nick of time. And then as he does that, uh, Francine actually comes by with a mega face turn here. You know, after the last episode, you know, where she was calling Arthur a baby and everything, she actually went by and got everybody, you know, Sue Ellen, Muffy, Buster, and enlisted them so that uh, they could help out Arthur because she felt bad that she kind of turned him down earlier. So I thought that was really cool. And then, you know, is, is kind of impressed that Arthur managed to recruit the tough customers, like, all, like literally speechless. And then Binky with a great line here of Arthur's just like, these guys help me figure out, like, what's most important. And then Binky's like, yeah, somebody could choke if they tried to eat this garbage. It's too soon, Binky. Yeah, oh, really. Yeesh. So Arthur gives them all uniforms and stuff, and then they get to work, and then the episode ends with just a quick little fade to the park as good as new. They're playing Frisbee together, and, you know, it's because of their effort they actually did something. All right, so that's the end of the episode. Let's uh, let's dial it back to DW Thinks Big. What would you think, Lucas? Oh, uh, actually, did you want to start with DW Thinks Big? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean kind of the same thing for the two of these I didn't really I didn't really like it uh, I don't know it, it, it just didn't do very much to me I mean obviously we have new worst character on the show Cora who I thought was terrible and like really hampered my enjoyment of the episode but I understood her role in the whole thing I thought it I mean I thought it was nice that we you know got to do you know, some involved DW and something involved in her own little story arc but honestly it didn't do a whole lot for me as far as you know just fun little episodes go you know there are other ones that I would more readily watch before this one like I, I there's not a whole lot for to say really it just kind of didn't do anything for me I kind of hated this episode. Oh, hate it. Yeah, I really, really didn't like it. Cora was super annoying almost to, like, change the channel levels. Mm -hmm. But I also, I couldn't really get into DW in this episode either. She wasn't really particularly well-written or funny or clever. She just kind of repeated the same thing over and over again. So that kind of got on my nerves as well. Nothing really happens in the episode until the very, very end. The Mm -hmm. climax is the best part. Her crawling through the vent and then finally getting, uh, finally feeling like she has a place and a duty and a role that she could fulfill. That whole sequence is fun. Okay. But everything else in this episode I felt like was kind of like a big waste of time. Wow. And so I really wasn't into it. On the other hand, Arthur cleans up. I loved this episode. All right. I thought it was everything a really, really good Arthur episode should be. I thought it had a good message. 
Uh, it educated me a little bit, which I'm not used to the episodes doing, but I also thought it was really funny. Like, there's some funny moments in this episode. Everybody coming up with their excuses, uh, all the vignettes with Arthur's dad, that kind of stuff, the tough customers. There's a lot of funny stuff in the episode as well, but it also has some great drama. Like we've said, Arthur's at its best when the stakes are high. And once again, uh, in the climax of this episode, we have a matter of life and death. Again. So... I uh, I really, really liked this episode, and I also thought this is the best character growth we've seen for Arthur. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was really, really special, especially when put up against all the other Arthur episodes we've watched so far. I think this is definitely one you can't miss if you want to sort of see Arthur's character grow as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll agree with you in a sense. I think that this one also didn't resonate with me personally. I kind of thought it was kind of like... It wouldn't be one that I would necessarily go back to. I didn't have the greatest amount of fun with it. it like it wasn't unfun, but it was just like, yeah, all right, that was our, that was okay. But I think the things that it does very well are not to be ignored. And I think just because I'm not a huge fan of it doesn't mean that other people wouldn't be like yourself. Uh, I agree that I think one of the greatest services that this episode does is, I wouldn't say character growth, but character depth for Arthur, is that we see his limit. We see how far he can be pushed, and what kind of, what will inspire him to take action finally, and like, mean it you know, from the bottom of his character. And I thought that that was really cool. I thought that singular moment was worth it enough. Uh, I also think that it's an environmental message, which of course was is littered, haha, in 90s kids TV. But this one I think is actually... Uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's very grounded in the fact that like most kids kind of don't want to do this stuff. But when you get down to it and you put in the work, then you'll see the results. If you really want things to change, it has to start with you. And I think that that's a really great message without being too preachy about it because you could go the whole episode and totally miss it. And I also think that the message sent through the character of uh, Mr. Frensky is really good too of just that, you know, garbage man sanitation engineer whatever you want to call it you know it's not necessarily the most graceful uh occupation but people do need to do it and you there are people who find enjoyment in it and or find meaning in it and i think that that's really inspiring i think that's something that you know kids tv could stand to do more of and not just for sanitation for other parts of society that are kind of looked down upon so i thought that that was a really good step in the right direction so i think even though Personally, it didn't do a whole lot for me. I think there's a lot that's to be admired about this episode. And I do think you're right. It is a very uh, important addition to the canon. I also will say uh, one quick note. This is the first two episodes in a while where they didn't have a central theme kind of joining them together. I feel like we've had a pretty good streak of like six episodes in a row where, okay, this one's about getting older. This one's about Grandma Thora. This one's about... DW. These two kind of are just two random episodes. Yeah, maybe uh, they just couldn't find a unifying mm. theme for for either of them. But yeah, not that not that there necessarily has to be. Okay, so uh, yeah, a little bit of a maybe not a recommend for DW thinks big, but a definite one for Arthur cleans up. What did you think of the episode? Well, I'll let you know how you can tell us what you thought of any of the episodes that we've covered so far, or will continue to cover. Let's Have you ever heard someone use the term bear grease? Please let us know. 
Uh, let's talk about the ways you can interact with us. Let's go to Facebook first off. Thank you for the new Facebook likes. Uh, Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. We also want to say thank you for our third five-star review on Facebook by Iman Salehian. And um, Iman, excuse me if I mispronounced your name. I'm sorry, but thank you for the lovely review that you left. Glad that we can be uh, offering you some positivity, and we hope to continue to do so. Iman, one more time, thanks again for the five-star review. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, at ECL Podcast. Some great new followers that we've had this week. We're up to 30. Thank you, everybody who's followed and retweeted and liked. Uh, Also, shout out to at Corbin Garcia, who had some very nice things to say about us on Twitter. We appreciate uh, you letting us into your homes via the podcast app. On Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. Hey, Don't forget, you can send us asks anytime. If you would like it to be part of the episode, please let us know. Uh, If you'd like us to answer it right there on Tumblr, please let us know. And if you just wanted to say something privately about the uh, podcast, we'd appreciate that too. If you have something a bit longer form or Tumblr isn't your thing, you can email us, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Nothing is off limits. If you've got something to say regarding the podcast, an episode we've covered, a topic we've talked about, please let us know, and we'd be happy to either read it on the show or just keep it between you and us you and i uh yeah you and us yeah <laughs> uh finally you can find this this uh this podcast one of two ways you can find it on soundcloud soundcloud.com slash elwood city limits uh, make sure to give us a like and follow over there if that's how you get us or you can of course subscribe on itunes and we would appreciate your rating and reviewing i just want to say one thing real quick uh since we're on the topic of soundcloud so with the SoundCloud Pro account, you can take a look at kind of the regions of where uh, people are playing you. And want to give a just a couple of general shout-outs here. Uh, first off to our one listener in the Netherlands there and our go. one listener in Australia. We have a lot from Canada and the United Kingdom as well. And we have lots and lots of states in the U.S. of A. who are listening to us, like Indianapolis, Indiana, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Minneapolis, excuse me. Uh, I don't know. That's just a thing from childhood. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. New York, New York. San Antonio, Texas. Hamilton, Canada. Uh, Huntsville, Texas. Peterborough, Canada. Raleigh, North Carolina. The list goes on and on. Chapel Hill. Detroit. Kensington. St. John's, Minnesota. Lubbock, Texas. Wait, St. John's, Minnesota. That's not where I thought that was going. Dartmouth, Canada, Liverpool, United Kingdom. I wonder who that last one was. Wherever you are and however you found us, thank you very much for doing so. We really appreciate it. And uh, like really, seriously, the amount of activity that we've had this week on our social media has been nothing short of affirming of why we continue to do this. And thank you very much for uh, reaching out. And we hope that you continue to do the same. Okay, next week, let's uh, just give you a quick preview of what it is we're going to be talking about. It's going to be another pair of episodes. And in fact, going right off of Arthur Cleans Up, we're talking about My Dad the Garbage Man. Oh, wow. And we're also talking about Poor Muffy. Oh, that's got me very excited. So, Finally. So we get a little bit of Oliver Frensky and a little bit of Muffy. How close are we are, do you know, off the top of your head, how close we are to the end of the season? So I believe next week, I can tell you in just a moment, I want to say that this is uh, episode 26 we just did, and we're going to be, be coming up to episode 27. Just 
Give me one second to confirm. Next week is episode 26. There are 30 episodes in the season. Okay, getting there for our season end spectacular. That's right. Lucas Mancini is my co-host. What do you got? I have a new purse with 31 pennies. Well, thank you for spending your time with us. My name's Will Young, and that's it for Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. We will catch you next time, and uh, don't be a stranger, all right? Vomitrocious.